Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 45 of ADHD for Smartass Women. Today, I have invited Emma Elizabeth Megan to our podcast. She doesn't like the name Emma, so we're going to call her M. M is 27. She lives outside of London. She is an MMA fighter. And yes, you got that right. Mixed martial arts. She also has a master's in psychology. Em, welcome to our podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> I am so delighted to have you here, Em. Um, I want our listeners to know what a struggle it's been. <laughs> oh, goodness. <Yeah. laughs> to get you here with good audio. This is the second time I am recording this podcast. And the good news is it allowed me some time. So we we ended up getting um, audio drift. Not that I ever knew what audio drift was before, but our tracks didn't match and there was a lot of popping and it just didn't sound good. And I just thought that what M shared with me was so important that we had to re-record it and really make sure that the audio was good quality <laughs> so everybody could hear all your wise words of wisdom. So I'm so appreciative, M, that you've stuck it out with me, that you're back. We just spent another half an hour trying to make sure that the microphones <laughs> worked. So you're probably, you're probably done. But again, thank you so much for being here with us here today. And clearly, you're here to talk to us about bipolar disorder. Yeah. What I would love to do is I'd love to start with your story. And although I'll ask you some questions about your childhood, because I'm always interested in that, you know, as mm -hmm. it plays into ADHD, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to start when kind of everything you know, went off the rails for you. And it sounds to me like that was the minute you got to college. So yeah. can we start with your story there? Of course. So yeah, we briefly, as you had spoke about that earlier, but essentially the story was that when I went to university, so I moved away from home. Um, so that was the first time I'd lived on my own. And I was kind of away from all of the friends and everything that I'd had when I was younger. And everything was kind of fine, like, but obviously trying to manage different things, like manage my own workload and not sleeping very much and going out, maybe drinking more than I was before. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lots of work, like trying to fit everything in, um, staying up really late to write essays and stuff. So it coped quite well for a little while and then very slowly, like as everything kind of piled up with like coursework and stuff, I just started to feel quite low and it got to the point where I was kind of getting quite concerned to the point I went to see um, the doctor on campus and just said, I don't feel quite right. Like I just feel really like my mood is really low. I feel quite miserable and <laughs> just not really myself. Um, and they were like, yeah, um, we think you might have kind of an episode of depression. So we're going to put you on some medication. They put me on 10 milligrams, I think it was. So a sub-therapeutic dose to start off with of Salapram, which is an SSRI. And then within a week of, week of being on that medication, 
I had a meeting with a kind of support person because obviously where I was at university, I was away from family and friends and anybody to kind of keep an eye and just see I was all right. I checked in with them and the care person, the care coordinator just looked at me and said, oh my goodness, like this is completely different to what we were expecting, completely different to what you were like a week ago. Um, So I was kind of quite bouncing off the walls, talking extremely fast, felt really kind of spaced out. And I've never felt like that before ever in my life. Like it was just a really strange feeling. And they just called in the psychiatrist that was in the kind of building at the time and just it was under that care team and they just said yeah like we think it's a bipolar disorder we don't think it's a depression like if this tablet has made you like this then clearly it's not a depression it's a bipolar disorder so so what they literally did was they took how you behaved on this medication and said it's bipolar disorder they never they never considered that maybe it was the medication that was causing this behavior? Well, I've never had, obviously, for me trying to remember, it was such a long time ago now, but I don't ever remember them sitting down and doing a thorough assessment going, right, so have you ever felt like this in the past? Have you ever had reactions to medication in the past? Have you ever had psychiatric medication in the past? Like None of those questions were really asked (laughs) to me. It was just kind Mm -hmm. of like, have you had low periods before? I was like, well everybody's had low periods right this is the first time I've been to a doctor to say that so clearly not Mm -hmm. really but yeah that was well you're not this isn't just a depressive episode like this isn't normal depression like we need to deal with this so they took me immediately off of the antidepressant and put me onto a mood stabilizer and then I was just put through so many different kind of medications trying to fix it that wasn't there (laughs) Yeah. So, Em, what happened then when they took you off of the antidepressant and they put you on the mood stabilizer? So, I've been on so many different mood stabilizers over the past, because this happened when I was 18 and now I'm like 27. So, Mm -hmm. and I've only kind of worked all this out in the past year and a half and brought all this kind of to everyone's attention and worked with my own psychiatrist and kind of stopped that process from happening. But it was kind of like put on one mood stabilizer. And then, did you did you get worse? I mean, yeah. when they put you on the first one, okay. So, so every single one seemed to you got worse. Yeah. So it was either worse or different. It was never just when you compare it to what it was like before I was on any medication. It was never mm-hmm. that again, if that makes sense, because I was put on one medication and then it would be like, oh, so this is, makes me feel like a zombie or this this makes her normal even though I should have been normal as a baseline anyway we now realize but then it would be oh there's this side effect so we'll give you this medication to treat this side effect which then gives you this side effect and then it's just a never-ending cycle of medication (laughs) yeah so what happened after that so you're they're they're just switching you from one medication to another mm-hmm. and you're feeling worse and worse over time yeah so and obviously at the same time then having to come to the thought of I'm 18 years old and I have bipolar disorder so me being me and now also realizing that I have ADHD was like oh so what's that and I need to know everything about that so I can I can <laughs> know what it is and I can help myself because that's what I do and I didn't realize that's why I did it but that's what I do so I kind of looked into it and was just completely in a way I don't think that helped at all because I was just so scared I was like I'm going to have this condition for the rest of my life and everyone was telling me you can't do anything about it you just Mm -hmm. need to get up and get on with it and it was it's very difficult because when I eventually finished university I did actually end up in the hospital Um, I was just hit a really low period. Obviously, I'd managed to push myself through my exams. Um, The doctors turned around and said, you should quit. Like, my parents were like, you need to leave. Like, you don't, you shouldn't be at university. You need to look after your health. And I ended up graduating first class honours. So I did that. And then I got home, came home, and I just wasn't coping because obviously I then had to deal with migrating back home when having been away for three years and with all of this stress on top. Um, So I did end Mm -hmm. up in a unit for um, a week or so, which again, doesn't really fit with a bipolar diagnosis. Like if you're a bipolar and you're that 
um, if you're having that severe an episode that you do need to go to hospital, you'd be there for weeks, months at a time. Mm. But because I was then obviously moving around the country, it was just being passed from one doctor to another. This patient has bipolar disorder. So nobody would have thought to go, oh, we'll do a reassessment of that. So that never, ever, ever happened. And then um, and everyone was going, there's something not quite right about your diagnosis, but nobody ever thought to look into it. And then, yeah, so I was on, on and out of medication. And then just the management side of it, like, is so different to the way you should manage an ADHD. So with it was kind of like I was told by doctors I shouldn't be working because it would be too much and I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that, which are all the things that I should be doing because I have ADHD. So essentially it was just making things worse. Like apart from sleep hygiene, which I learned and taught myself with thinking that I was bipolar, which is a massively, massively hell, everything else has just been completely wrong. So um, did you, from the beginning, feel this sense of discomfort with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder? I mean, were you thinking, I don't think they're right? Or, I mean, you're 18, right? Yeah. Did you just kind of buy off on it and say, okay, that's what I have? Yeah. To be honest, it took me a very long time to start going, this doesn't fit. Because when they first gave it to me, I knew nothing about it. I was just like, all I knew about bipolar disorder was that they have these episodes where they feel they have lots of energy and they're really high. And then they have mm-hmm. these episodes where they get low and miserable. And I, that was the basis of my knowledge of bipolar. So, and I was thinking, well, I feel a bit different to everybody else. I have these parts where I get really buzzy and hyper. And recently I've been having these bits where I get really miserable and depressed. So for me, it made sense at the time for them to turn around and say, this is what I have. Right. And then However, I, you were on medication the whole time, right? Pardon? You were on this bipolar medication the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I was medicated the whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm still technically on a anti-anxiety tablet and mm-hmm. a very, very low dose of a mood stabilizer at the moment just because mm-hmm. they're trying to get me off of all of that medication. And because I've been on a mood stabilizer for such a long time, when they were talking about inputting me on ADHD medication, they wanted to leave it there as a buffer just to ensure yes. that nothing else happens in the meantime, because I've had it in my system for such a long time. Absolutely. Mm. So. so what happened then? So, okay, so you, you ended up in, hosp- in the hospital, but then after that, you ended up getting a master's in psychology, right? <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I have the timing right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I got my law degree, then I was in hospital, um, and that was to say they were telling me that I couldn't work, that I couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to know more about psychology. I wanted to understand it more. Then that's basically the main reason I did my master's was to kind of understand <laughs> better what that was is going so on. <laughs> so yeah, I did. Um, it was the it was what they call a conversion course. So because I had a bachelor's in law. Um, Mm -hmm. So because you already have a bachelor's, it doesn't matter what subject it's in. It was a year's and a half's course where I could, like it was like a condensed master's program in a year and a half. So rather than doing a three-year program, you do it all in a year and a half and they give you um, the qualifying modules to get your master's degree in psychology. So I did that and I met some amazing people on that course that had children that had autism and ADHD and had partners that had bipolar disorder. So for me, it was not only the course, but also the people that I met just gave me a lot broader kind of spectrum of kind of conditions that could affect your brain and could be this and could be that. So, But even though you went through that whole program, Mm -hmm. you still came out of it not ever really considering that you might have ADHD. No, not at all. Not at all. Huh. So tell me what happened with your boyfriend. <laughs> so how um, did you come to consider ADHD? So it was kind of obviously with my boyfriend it started first, but it was kind of it all kind of everything just kind of came together in the same process of about four or five months. So with my boyfriend, I met him three years ago and I think I remember I said this to you last time I spoke with you. Um, I said he is, as soon as I moved in with him, um, he <laughs> textbook ADHD. He was that, um, as soon as you start living with him, it was, I am that 
guy that is in the classroom that doesn't shut up but doesn't stop moving he was he was just <laughs> and unfortunately for, for for us girls that have it it's like for males it's a lot more textbook it is a lot more right hyper mm-hmm. like you can just tick everything off like the generic stereotypical traits and I was right. like and my stepbrother who I didn't really spend an awful lot of time with, but he's younger than me. He has um, diagnosed ADD at the time. So mm-hmm. I was like, I know it from a textbook point of view and I know it from kind of a little bit of interaction point of view as well. So I was like, okay. And then approached him with it and he was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm th- over 30 years old. I don't have ADHD. Um, <laughs> and then um, very, very slowly kind of got round to the idea of, um, him speaking to somebody about it he went through a lot of stress and didn't obviously have the strategies in place to deal with it and then I kind of spoke to got him to speak to a doctor and then he got referred pretty much immediately and got a diagnosis within altogether within about three or four months which is absolutely if anyone knows the UK NHS system is just very very quick yes. and he was medicated started medic- um, stimulant medication last Christmas so he's been on stimulant medication now for nearly a year. So that was with him. But then with mm-hmm. me, alongside that at the same time. Um, so you went through all of this with your stepbrother? No, th- right? yeah, no, this was this was my this was my um, boyfriend. This was what this is what happened with him. So after I moved in with him, I managed to get him to go to a doctor. And then it's like get assessed for ADHD. Wait, I'm confused though. So the story you just told us was that your stepbrother or his stepbrother? No, it was him. Oh, it was him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So initially, you came to him and said, "I think this is textbook classic ADHD," uh-huh. and he's like, "No, no." Yeah. But he came around over time. Yeah. And so it sounds like you were doing all kinds of research about him. Yeah. And then. At what point did you say, oh, my gosh, I think this is me? Yeah, so that was, as I say, about the same time alongside of that, I'd been seeing the same psychiatrist for about three or four years, like on and off, just when I, mm-hmm. I needed to see when they Still thinking you had bipolar? Yep, yep, still, still with the same diagnosis. Okay. But she'd known me for quite an extended period of time now, for about three or four years. Like, not seen me very often, but the longest I'd stayed with a particular psychiatrist long enough to kind of go, I don't think this quite fits. And she, just before he got his diagnosis, just kind of said, I got a letter from her saying, I don't think this is bipolar disorder. Like you don't present symptoms of bipolar disorder. Wow. And um, so I gave And had you considered that before, Em, or was it once you got the letter that you really started to think that there's something wrong here? Well, for me, it was just kind of like I knew I was still struggling with certain things and I was just like, I don't know, like I don't think I've got bipolar or if I do have bipolar, I'm so in control of it, which you're not supposed to be with bipolar. It's just so sporadic and like um, unpredictable, Mm -hmm. like you can't really know what's going to trigger an episode necessarily with bipolar you can try and manage it but you don't Mm -hmm. know so for me I was like I'm overhandling this incredibly well which I don't (laughs) see how or the the drugs that I've been on for 10 years that have never really made any difference have suddenly started to work or it's something else so I said I was looking obviously as you say for my boyfriend um into ADHD and I didn't think ADHD first off I was thinking right what am I what am I still struggling with? What is still the problem? And it was mainly my anxiety. So mm-hmm. I was like, and if you can bring everything that I struggle with back down to anxiety, and I don't have social anxiety, I don't have generalized anxiety, I don't have phobias. Like I was like, so what is this anxiety that I have? And did a lot of research with that and started off actually with autism. And then I was like, some of this fits, some of this doesn't. And then as I say, when I was kind of looking at my stuff and looking at my boyfriend's stuff I noticed that they were explaining how differently females present with ADHD and they were Mm -hmm. saying a lot of it does present as anxiety and about how we learn to fit in better um so people Mm -hmm. don't pick up on the textbook symptoms and things like that and so I was thinking okay and I started to read around more of this and it's just the more I read the more kind of answers I had and then I just came across this article that one that I sent you that was just it basically explained the difference between bipolar mood swings and ADHD mood changes. 
I kind of like in black and that white. Was the, the attitude article. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're going to post those, that in the show notes, just yeah. so our listeners know. But yeah, that was just literally, cause that was the only thing left that I hadn't explained was like, why am I getting these mood shifts? And if I haven't got bipolar, why are they happening? Like, why am I getting like really low and like really like feeling really rubbish mm-hmm. and then feeling really like excited and happy and like buzzy all the time. And then I looked at it and I was just like, this explains it. I was like that. The difference between those two it is definitely ADHD mood changes that I'm having and not bipolar. So I called my psychiatrist mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, I think I have something along these lines. Like, can I? Can we have, have a chat about it?" And she said, "Right, I know what you're like." So she said, "Next time you come and see me, I want you to bring your case to me for the fact that you have ADHD." So I said, "Okay." Uh-huh. Um, and then I met with her, and she's a really good psychiatrist. Actually, she's retired now. But she um, she doesn't talk to me, didn't never talk to me like I was a patient. She just kind of chatted to me and listened to like what I had to say rather than telling me what was what. And then she just said, yeah, she said, I can't diagnose you because of the kind of team that she was with. She dealt with mood disorders. Um, but she said, but I, I completely agree with you. And she sent a letter back to my GP and just said look I think this is an organic disorder it's not bipolar I think that she should get assessed for ADHD and then I ended up going and getting a private diagnosis because the NHS waiting list was 18 months to two years wow so but that was by a specialist ADHD kind of psychiatrist and then after that I have been referred back and that has all been kind of changed in my notes I guess it's all you have ADHD and not bipolar disorder, and they're trying to help me with that. So, so I guess this is another example of the patient, and usually it tends to be a woman <laughs> doing the research, going back to the doctors and educating them on ADHD. Yeah, right. Unfortunately. <laughs> so you had never presented before with with manic symptoms or even depressive symptoms. Not. Prior to being put on this medication, I'm talking about the um, the depression yeah, medication. Yeah. No, not never ever anything manic. Um, not not for an extensive period of time. So, like when looking back on it, it could have been not the episode I had once I had the medication, and that was a completely different thing. But I do understand how if you see a snapshot of somebody with ADHD who is highly emotional for like ten minutes. That could be, mm-hmm. if you saw a snapshot of that, how that could present to a doctor as mania or hypermania. Right. But the right. difference being is that that's over within half an hour, whereas if a, if a patient is manic, that is not what happens. It's it's just continuous for whatever reason. And it, basically, it's all based on environment and stress factors. Whereas with, mm-hmm. so with me, when I was taken into hospital, they – so. I was I was presenting as manic at that point because I didn't sleep for seven days because of this medication that was going on. So anybody, wow. even wow. yeah, even a neurotypical person after seven days of not sleeping would be presenting as manic. Absolutely. Yeah. And as soon as they put me into the hospital, like after twenty four hours, I fell asleep. And as soon as I like recovered from that, like I was calm and they let me go home. Whereas with somebody with bipolar, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter where you put that person. Unfortunately, they're suffering from a manic episode, and you just have to wait for it to be over. Um, with the and as I say, I've never been that low mood and depressed that I went to ask anybody for help until that particular occasion. So I've never had any kind of symptoms of bipolar until the doctor turned around and told me that I had it when I was eighteen. <laughs> Well, and the other thing that um, I know you mentioned last time, but you didn't bring up this time, is when when you started as a freshman, having to deal with all these, you know, we we typically those of us with ADHD struggle, you know, making the adjustment from, you know, the comfort of our family life, mm-hmm. high school to college, and you also had a roommate. I think you said that had a stroke yeah. in the middle of all this. Yeah, so we had quite a stressful time at university. As much as I had a great time, but. We had a lot of drama. So we had like my housemate had a stroke and we had to like, we found her in first year, like she had had a stroke and we called an ambulance for her and, and the doctors were trying to tell us that it wasn't. And we were like, why do you have all these adverts on TV? Tell us what a stroke is if you're not going to believe us when we tell you she's having a stroke. And yeah, it was just, 
I understand a lot of people have drama in their university life, but it was just a lot of things that obviously I've heard this about ADHD in general. I don't know how true it is, but I know it's quite true for me. We're quite good in a crisis. So people come to us with crisis. Um, so yeah, obviously it was a lot of things going on and that was a, another stress on top of the change of routine and um, the, all these new things and trying to fit them into boxes and staying up and all of this sort of stuff. It was just a lot of new and not a lot of organising, if that makes sense. So, Anne, clearly the audio gods are not going to be with us for this recording. We literally <laughs> just got shut down again in the middle of, I think I had asked about your roommate having a stroke. So was there anything else that you wanted to wrap up there? Uh, no, not really. Um, all that I thought about that we did mention um, last time, which I hadn't brought up about moving away as well, which may have made the low mood come on with me was the fact that when I moved away to university, I completely stopped exercising. Yeah. So I used to, I've trained martial arts since I was seven or eight years old. And when I was about 16, 17, when I was in college and end of school, I was training about four times a week classes and running most mornings and doing stuff at school and college as well. And then when I moved to study away at university, it was kind of, I didn't see that as important and it wasn't the same as when I was back home. So I just got completely out of the routine of doing it. And I don't think that helped at all. Yeah, no, our brains really need exercise and respond really well to it. And I have this theory for those of us that really struggle on medication, exercise seems to work exceptionally well. And I don't know if that's true or not. You know, it might be that yeah. we don't know what people <laughs> who can take medication, it works really well, what that even feels like. So, you <laughs> well, know, the exercise, wow. Yeah, I think just generally speaking, like everybody, every brain needs exercise, yes, like at I different agree. levels. But for me, like, I don't, I, again, we did mention this last time, um, but just saying about how when everything kind of started to click was the middle of last year and yeah. that's when I signed up to do the charity MMA fight was in October last year and right. I just said to myself I need to get back to an exercise I need something that I need to make myself stick with so that was my focus and it wasn't about the fighting it was about the eight weeks training and because it was for charity there was no excuse not to go you have to go and I knew that if I built up that routine I would keep on doing it which I am. So, yeah. So you built in the, that accountability, those rails. You'll disappoint yourself, but you're not going to disappoint all the people that you promised. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I like exactly. that too. <laughs> the other thought that I had is I'm curious, you know, because I was put on um, citalopram as well because the ADHD medication created full-blown anxiety in me. And I mm. think I took maybe two pills and I said, this is not going well. And I, and I stopped. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, do you think your anxiety that you, you know, it sounds like you still struggle with it a little bit. Do you think that could have been caused by this medication or did you experience anxiety before? Cause I've often said that wait a minute, I don't have anxiety. I cause anxiety, you know, <laughs> in other people. And I still have a little bit of it. It, you know, it'll, it'll rear its head up when I get really anxious about a deadline or, you know, if yeah. I have to speak or, so I'm curious how that goes for you. I, I have to, like two kind of points of view on that. So the first mm -hmm. one is that I think just generally I'm quite a naturally, regardless of whether it's to do with ADHD, I am quite an anxious kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like a, mm -hmm. I'm a warrior. I've always been a warrior. Like okay. I, a lot of the, when I first saw the ADHD psychiatrist that diagnosed me, he gave me like loads of tips to be like, how do you, so how have you done all this without having your ADHD diagnosed and like with everything that's happened? And it was kind of like, I fa found workarounds that I didn't even know were workarounds. So I like overplan because I know that I'm going to worry. So I overplan. And I think that medication specifically probably didn't cause my anxiety because for me, it was more like, it was kind of like somebody on, it's hard to explain. I've never felt like that without being on some form of tablet. It was almost like, not euphoric because it that's the wrong word, but it was just kind of mm -hmm. like, laughing gas like I just was I was so spaced out like I can't explain it and but no there wasn't anxiety but 
from what and you said even about on that, you were able to perform as well as you did. Yeah, cool. I know. It's just weird. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but like what you said about having um, when you started to have like the medication for ADHD, like mm-hmm. when I was given like, you know, recently I've, I've tried out non-stimulant medication. Um, mm-hmm. That was awful. like my coping strategies. Like you wouldn't necessarily know unless you knew what to look for for anxiety that I struggle with anxiety. Like I do quite mm-hmm. well with it. And I, unless something like you said, it's like really bad's coming up, I kind of self-contain it. But this medication, I, I I knew the side effects would be bad, and I knew that they would like give it some time to kind of like get in your system and start working. I just couldn't like within about two days, my boyfriend was like, "Are you sure this is all right? Like, are you sure this is supposed to be happening?" And I mm-hmm. just felt so my I felt completely depleted in energy. And I just felt miserable and worried and just like my brain was just going off in, it was slower, but it was just like horrible tangents of like negativity and just like, I couldn't go and do exercise because I had no energy. And yeah, I think that kind of anxiety definitely can be caused by medication. Wow. We were communicating back and forth a couple of weeks ago and you said, you know, that you were going to try the ADHD medication. You wanted to see what happened. And your response back to me after trying it was, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I've had a few days on stimulants before too, and I was so for them. But I've realized with both medications, for me, they feel controlling. It sounds very hippie, but I have lived with myself long enough to know that I will miss those parts of me on medication. And I'm slowly beginning to like myself quite a bit. I feel proud of what I've achieved. And to tell any part of that brain that it isn't good enough or normal or doesn't fit would be an insult to how much it has managed to achieve. Every time, this is the second time now that I've read that out loud because, you know, we had our <laughs> one failed episode. Or <laughs> I, I get goosebumps when, when, when I say that. So you must really get goosebumps when you wrote it. Well, I, I do quite a lot of writing. Like I have typically um another thing that should have made sent alarm bells I have so many hobbies like one of them is writing like I wrote written poetry since I was a kid um and I like creative writing and stuff and I just like words and that wasn't meant to be like that but when you read it back I do kind of understand where you're coming from but I just I get frustrated with my brain sometimes but now that I understand like why it does things that it does but I was like I have lived with it for 27 years so at least I know the things that it struggles with and I can help it and I do think that if I didn't have the brain that I have I wouldn't have necessarily got through some of the stuff that I've got through in my life so yeah I think that having tried the non-stimulant medication I just don't think I think it just completely saps all of my energy and I don't want to do anything and that's just boring and I don't like boring and then for me the stimulant medication yeah it makes me more organized and it makes me more focused but again I don't get I have like this fire in my belly sometimes and me and my boyfriend speak about it and I don't know if it's an ADHD thing but I know that a lot of my friends with ADHD have kind of spoken of a similar thing that they get like you can listen to a song and like it will fire you up and you can think about something that you're really passionate about and it gets you fired up and when you're on the medication I just feel like I don't get that and it's like you don't and it's kind of like you can be scared but you can be excited and it just feels like it takes that away from you I think and as much as it has benefits I just think that that's a really sad thing to get rid of when it's served you so well. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I call it drivenness. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, where there's just you just know. I mean, you know, a a neurotypical person would look at what you want to accomplish, and they would probably think, "Oh my gosh, you know, you need to come down to earth here." But for those uh-huh. of us who experience that, it's just this idea that it doesn't matter what it takes. If I do it one step at a time, I'm going to get there. I know I'm going to get there. Yeah, well, it's and like sometimes. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, the typical example of that was that fight because I've, in the past year, just lost five stone and I've not, I hadn't fought even in like. How much is five stone in in pounds? Do you have any Um, idea? So a stone is 14 pounds. Oh, my word. That's a lot of weight. (laughs) That's like 60 pounds? Wait. Um, Yeah. So so it's five stones. 
So I was like 14, I was 14 and a half when I actually plucked up the courage to weigh myself. And then, then when I weighed myself, like the middle of this year, I was like nine stone seven or something like that. So yeah, about the same, about five stone. No, I can't do math. I'm like Barbie when it comes to math. <laughs> it's 70 yeah. pounds. And you lost that amount of weight in what amount of time? Did you, how far down were you when you decided I'm going to do this MMA fight? I, so I started swimming um, again, like trying, like going, I need to do something, I need to do something. And that was about March time last year. And then I signed up for the fight in October. So I reckon I'd lost about a stone and a half to two stones. So that's like what, 40, it's about under 24 pounds, about 24 pounds. Uh-huh. And then I just was like, and then so my I went to my boyfriend, I come home to my boyfriend and I was just like, I've done something today and I'm not sure how you're going to feel about it. And he was like, looked at me and he was like, what have you done? Cause he knows what I'm like. And I said, so, you know, that boxing charity fight they had a few months ago. And he's like, yeah, I said, well, I signed up for an MMA one. And he's like, okay. And he's like, so you're going to, when is it? Like I said, like, like in two months time. And he's like, right. Okay. So you haven't fought for years and you're like, there, like really overweight and you're going to do this fight in December. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> And you did it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. And I'm sure a lot of that weight was because of all the medication they had you on. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, beyond the fact, and I'm sure the medication then affects how you, you know, how you just are in the world in terms of do you even want, you know, to work out. Mm Mm-hmm. Oi. Okay. So I want to ask you a couple questions about your childhood. Okay. So now that you look back, are there symptoms that you exhibited as a child that you can now say, oh, yeah, that was ADHD? Yeah, loads. <laughs> now I know what I'm looking for, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and what would they be? So um, massively erratic sleep routine. So I was, um, as a baby from two weeks old, I didn't sleep. Like my, I know babies don't sleep like very well, but I was a massive problem. I think at, like... I would just, I remember people, people put me down for like naps and stuff as like an older toddler and they just couldn't get me to go to sleep. And it was just like, I would be up doing something that I wanted to do. So I would be reading or I would be watching a TV program that I was absolutely obsessed with. Like I could just stay up because if I was interested in something, I would just be interested in it. And that was that, like, you couldn't stop me from doing it. So Hyper-focus that, as a baby. <laughs> yeah, well, not as a baby, but, like, as a very small child. Like, it was quite – it wasn't necessarily hyperactive, but it was definitely hyper-focused in the sense that mm-hmm. I would be – so when I was five, I got a bike for my birthday, and there's, like, a little road, a little small road out the front of my house, and I remember just riding this bike up and down this line of road until I could ride it without my stabilizers, like just falling off and getting back on again and going up and down. Um, so hyperfocus was definitely there. I think as well, um, as I got older, I definitely had, now I look back on it, kind of ADHD meltdown in the sense of when I was not understood properly, I used to get very, very frustrated. So I wasn't a bad child. I wasn't a naughty child. I was actually like kind of quite of one of the kind of good ones at school. Like I was never really in trouble, but I would walk mm-hmm. out of classrooms and I would have arguments with teachers. Like I would be like, well, why can't it be this? And it would be like, because of this. And I'm like, yeah, but why? Like, I don't understand. Like what, what's wrong with my answer? Like, and then that would be seen as quite aggressive, but I never meant it that way. I just wasn't getting the answer. Like I didn't understand why my perspective was it was just looking at things from different angles to people and then feeling like I was being kind of no and I was like but why <laughs> so I think that as well well and it's it's very clear that for those of us with ADHD if we don't know why we have to do something especially students mm. we can't do it no because you know you think if if you tell me exactly it, like if you tell me there's 10 rules I'll go that's perfectly fine as long as you can explain to me why we have to do it this mm-hmm. way. That's fine. But otherwise, I'm like, but surely this way is easier. Or surely this way is more effective. Otherwise, I'm right. not going to do it. So, 
You were also in the gifted and talented talented programs at school. Yeah, too, that's right? what I mean. Like, I wasn't a bad child. Like, I did love like mm-hmm. learning. It sounds really stupid, but I did. I do love learning things. I love like picking up new stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I pick something up, I want to be better than everybody else at it. Like, it's horrible, but I'm really competitive. But it was just, I was, I was on the gifted and talented program, and then I would be in a classroom, and I would be sitting next to a student. I remember. It was always that I talked too much and I remember one of my teachers turning around to me saying, she said, you, what she said, she said, you forget, Emma has this amazing talent to be able to talk and do her work at the same time. She forgets that not everybody else in the classroom has this talent. (laughs) So yeah, it was just, I don't think I realised it at the time, but now looking back on it with those kind of knowing what I'm looking for, I probably was a little bit disruptive but never intentionally but it was just that I wasn't kind of focused enough and I wasn't like the classroom wasn't made for my brain if that makes any sense. It makes total sense to me. So what were the ADHD symptoms that you had that you can now look and say okay that's me but they were different than you know the classic hyperactive ADHD symptoms. So the things that you overlooked and never thought oh maybe it's me you know it's ADHD. So when I I'm very forget I'm very very disorganized and forgetful but I thought that I was very organized but as I say I have now realized that it's the fact that I've put strategies in place to make myself organized yes so one of the things that the doctor said to me was like have how are you late for stuff all the time and I was like no like I'm always early like I'm always mega mm-hmm. early for stuff and then because everyone's like ADHD people are always late they're never on time and I was like no I'm always like an hour early <laughs> like always <laughs> and then and then I, he was like well obviously ADHD often have time blindness like and I said well that's easy like I set when it since I get up in the morning to when the time I'm supposed to leave I set an alarm every 10 minutes so I know what time it is and he's like oh so you're already doing that and I was like yeah like that's how isn't that how everyone gets ready to go to work in the morning he's like no people get up and they know what time they leave and I was like okay and then write in exhaust like non-exhaustive lists of just um I had a massive whiteboard that I used to use of kind of things that were it was all color coded and stuff and it made me feel organized to kind of rub stuff off but like these lists are now in my phone so like I'll if I so literally because my phone is usually on me I can just write it down because I know I have no short-term memory so I'll go Mm -hmm. right I need to write that down later on my whiteboard but I'll forget so it goes in my phone and then like for, for example tonight with this podcast for us recording like I knew that if if I got too busy or something come up, I would forget. So I then yeah. last night put in a reminder to check the microphone. Like I've been putting that reminder in my phone since the last time we spoke that I need to set my laptop up and check the mic. But like at times when I know that I'll be free so that it reminds me. And then like right. it's just so that's really helpful. And then also like now where I'm just talking and talking and talking and just talking um but also I I think it's brilliant (laughs) but yeah like but the way that um it's really nice actually the way that me and my boyfriend have the same same diagnosis we can actually like laugh about it a lot more I think because Mm -hmm. we do have these conversations where we'll start off at one point and end up like and then and then and then 10 sidetracks later it's like how do we get from here to here in like five minutes (laughs) and it's just it we can laugh at it a lot more and like how your sense of humor can be quite dark because your brain thinks on different tangents and yeah it's just some of it's really positive and some of it's not so positive but like the way we can discuss mm-hmm. it like we both present different like if you met us as people we're very different people but when you break it down to like diagnostic criteria you can go yeah they both do this but they both do it in a completely different way absolutely So what advice in closing, I don't want to keep you any longer. You've been so generous. (laughs) In closing, if there is a young woman or any woman, frankly, sitting here listening to this, she's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but she just feels like, you know, it's not the right diagnosis or the converse is she's been diagnosed with ADHD and she feels like there's something else because, you know, a lot of times, well, you know, it's, it's, 
ADHD is a comorbid condition. And so there are, you know, definitely situations where you can have both ADHD and um, bipolar disorder. So what are the differences between the two of them that they need to look for to distinguish which one it is if it's one or the other? So I think with ADHD over bipolar disorder, the fast pace of your brain is constant. So regardless of Mm -hmm. whether you're happy or sad, it's still fast and it still jumps around quite a lot um, unless you're hyper-focusing. Even then, it still moves quite fast, just doesn't move as fast from one thing to the other. So that can be one thing that you compare it to. If you had bipolar disorder, you would be slowing down in a depression and then speeding up towards a hypermania mania kind of state. Um, So Mm -hmm. if, if you feel a shift in like temp, like tempo I would say that that's maybe an indication that there might be a bipolar disorder also Mm -hmm. bipolar patients often have like stable periods where they don't feel up or down so Mm -hmm. you would feel like that flow different I suppose with ADHD you're if you're finding that you do have like ups and you do have downs it would also depend on how long or short they are so if you find, I know you can get rapid cycling bipolar disorder, but I know mm-hmm. that that's quite different. But if you're finding that these episodes, for want of a better word, so if you're ADHD and you get frustrated, you'll be angry for half an hour. If you're bipolar and you're manic or hypermanic, that can last for weeks. And the same with the depression. Like if you're upset and you're ADHD and you're moaning and miserable, you're it's a short amount of time. And I think another thing as well is to notice how the pattern goes. Like if you're ADHD and you do a lot and we, me and my partner are speaking about this quite a lot, like you don't know when to stop sometimes. So you keep going and going and going and then you get mm-hmm. the burnout. And sometimes that can feel quite depressing, but the difference. So if you've got going really fast and then suddenly dropping, that's more likely to be an ADHD thing because it's circumstance that's made that happen. It's environmental. So you've had a lot of stress and you've pushed yourself. So your body does need to crash. Whereas bipolar, it doesn't matter as much on external factors or outside stresses. It just, it's just the chemical imbalance. So it just happens when it happens. Whereas with ADHD, if there's been a shift in an emotion or in a mood or kind of a behavior, you can usually kind of attribute that to something outside of your brain that's happening, that's affecting you. So I think that's a key thing as well. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, and it's so scary because 70% of bipolar patients, (laughs) I can't believe this, are misdiagnosed at least once. And on average, and we found this out in our group because when I posted, several women said, well, let me tell you what the statistic is. First, on average, patients with bipolar disorder, they wait a whopping 17 years before receiving an accurate diagnosis. And when I posted this in our group, there were several women who literally cited 17 Mm. years, which was crazy. I noticed as well the ones that when you spoke about the fact that we were going to speak about this today about um, bipolar and ADHD and the amount of women underneath that post saying this happened to me or this happened to my friend. And I was just like, wow, because when this happened to me and I went and spoke to the doctor about it, I was just like, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Like, everyone's going to be like she's having an episode and she's just she just like she's just mm-hmm. what like what's wrong with her like she just this is stupid and I don't think if it was the fact that I didn't have ADHD that I wouldn't have been able to do that because I would have just talked myself down from it but I was like I know it's a gut feeling mm-hmm. and I'm going with it and I know that I'm right so I'm going to find the evidence to show that I'm right but it's just so sad to hear that that's happened to so many people because it's such a sad and lonely place when you don't know what to do and you'll think that you're the only person that's happened to and you're not. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking actually. And I, I think about the women and of course men yeah. as well, children who, you know, are either not diagnosed or they're misdiagnosed. So anyway, I really, really appreciate your spending time with us. I'm, I'm curious, what do you do now? Yeah. For work. for work, so I have a really complicated job. Um, it's a very bo- it's a very boring slash complicated job. So I basically am a mitigation coordinator. So I deal with um kind of claims to do with tree damage to properties, but I'm the person that kind of uh, deals with all the different parties. So I'll deal with 
the policyholders and the insurers and the loss adjusters and the solicitors and I'm just kind of that go-between liaising person that tries to do the best thing that they can to get the, everything to go through and get people to remove their trees so that damage doesn't happen to property. <laughs> and so is that what you want to do long-term? No, it doesn't so, sound like So you. I've been, and I did really, this was another thing that made me kind of look at ADHD was that quite a lot of ADHD people, unless they know what they want to do, they constantly job hop mm-hmm. because they have a lot yeah. of ideas and they have a lot of interest and they're good at like different things, but they can't decide or they're not sure. Mm-hmm. And that's literally just been me. Like I've done so many different jobs. I've been a teacher. I've been um, a paralegal. Like I've done, I've worked in a call center. Like I just am not really sure. And at the moment I'm just kind of still working on myself and working myself out and getting myself in a good headspace I'm really enjoying stuff outside of work so the fact that I have a job that Mm -hmm. I know I can do and that is not stressful and that I can just go to work do a little bit of like feeling like I've achieved something and then go home and do what I want to do outside of work that's working for me at the moment so I'm happy with it until I've made a decision yeah no that sounds great Okay, Em, thank you so much again for sharing your knowledge here with us today. Now, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Um, so I'm on in the Facebook group. Um, I'm on there mm-hmm. under Em Elizabeth Megan, which is my Facebook name, which is what you have on here. And um, I'm also on uh-huh. Instagram, um, which is at Odd Socks, but without a C, because the C was taken. So it's at O-D-D-S-O-K-S is the Instagram type as well. Okay. And we'll, again, we'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's what we have for you today. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you like this episode with M. Megan, please let us know by leaving a review. My goal, our goal, it's to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work and discover their amazing strengths. Your reviews, they really help us in that regard. Also, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. And again, all of the links that we talked about, they will be posted in the show notes. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Edsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.